It is your money. Hello, I'm Susie Jones, and I want to tell you right out of the gates that if you have a financial question today, you can call this number 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That is 1-888-6-ADVICE. And you can also email your questions to your money at wealthenhancement.com. For the next little bit here, you can call us on our text line. You can also text us on this line at 651-461-9226. Now here is the founder of Wealth Enhancement Group and financial advisor, Bruce Elmer, and senior vice president and financial advisor, Peg Webb. Hello to both of you. Good morning, you two. Hi, Peg. Uh, Hi, Susie. Good to be with you again. And um, Peg... Our topic today, I, I, I have to admit, I, I feel conflicted about it because on the one hand, what we're going to talk about today is making your first million, as though several more million will follow that first. And I don't want to insult anybody that's out there listening going, oh, yeah, a million dollars. I mean, that, 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 how am I ever going to get a million dollars? It may seem like an impossible dream, but yet we're going to talk a little bit about the fact that a million dollars isn't what it used to be. And so, I again, I feel somewhat conflicted. I, I don't want to trivialize a million dollars. That's a lot of money by any measuring stick. But the fact is, I remember growing up as a kid, a millionaire felt like this unbelievable Howard Hughes private jet sort of thing. There was even a 50s TV show called The Millionaire. And it just seemed like this high pie pie in the sky uh, un, unachievable you know just fantasy and then in 1996 a guy i think it was thomas stanley writes a book the millionaire next door and it's been a lot of years since i've read it and i realize now as an adult as a practicing financial advisor that's kind of our clients the millionaire next door talks about how simple folks with simple jobs with discipline and, and good savings habits and not spending more than they make can become millionaires during their lifetime. And so we thought we'd talk about that today. How do you get to be a millionaire? How do you do it? Yeah, Bruce, um, I love the topic in that it's dramatic, right? It's still today, I would say that one million, if you talk to people, their eyes will just widen. And especially our youth. Uh, and and so today uh, we do want to talk about um, maybe how do you make your first million and ways that you could. And, and so simplistically, we do have six things written down, you know, own equity, invest in yourself, watch your expenses, strive to accumulate 100000 as quickly as you can. Don't over diversify and let's time Let's have time and compounding work for you. So, Bruce, I wanted just to mention those quickly because I do want to get to all of those because I feel like they're equally important. Now, today, I think you hear more about millionaires because uh, lots and lots of people uh, participate in the stock market. And I feel like we have a better view into one method of how people make money uh, than we did as young people. Would you agree, Bruce? Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. So making your first million, you mentioned, you know, probably does seem like a dream, but today not impossible. It, it just takes hard work, common sense, 
time, discipline, but in some ways, Bruce, uh, the opportunity may come because of the mentoring and, and what you learn since you were two feet tall. So I feel like the first one, and these aren't in any particular order. So owning equity, let's just define that. Owning equity is simply having a share in the ownership of a business. And it, it, it just happens to be one of those places where you can gain significant wealth uh, through your business. Now, as a business grows, the stock or the, um, the paper, if you will, it grows with it. And so the actual share price goes up depending on what the profits are. Maybe the company is made up of dividends and distribute, you know, dis- has distributions for that. But by investing in a company, you actually are buying kind of a future stream of, um, of their profits. And so I hate to go over that if the listeners are going, well, that's super elementary, but you have a different ways that you can invest in a company. You could actually start your own company. And that's, I would say, entrepreneurs um, are willing to take a lot of risk, Bruce, but they also statistically fail most of the time. And then entrepreneurs fail, but then they get them back, get themselves back up and they try again. So there's a high reward to owning a business, but there's a lot of risk to it too. And, you know, the, the, um, the problem is, is starting a business with having all that risk. You know, a lot of times you're completely in charge. You got to find employees. Bruce, we have so many business owners that work with us because it carries a higher level um a degree of knowledge of how to run that business and the finances are trickier or on the flip side, you can just go and purchase other people's companies and participate in them, you know, for growth over time, Bruce. Yeah. You know, and we talk on the show peg all the time about investing in stocks and investing in ownership of companies. And if you invest in smart, innovative, well-run companies they will grow over time. But I like that you brought up the fact, and you're right, a lot of my more successful clients are small business owners, that they either started a business themselves or they acquired a business. And, you know, it just hit, just hit me when you were talking. I, I swear I didn't even think about this before we started today. Um, I was one of the people there at the beginning that started Wealth Enhancement Group, and it didn't seem like a particularly frightening thing to me at the time, even though I'm well aware of the stats. I think it's over 80% of business endeavors you know, fail, less than 20% make it. So the odds were against us, and it never even occurred to me that we wouldn't make it. I was just so sure that we had such a great business model and such a great idea, and we did what we did so well. It just never occurred. <laughs> occurred to me that it would, wouldn't would succeed. And of course it has. So I, I consider myself very fortunate and very blessed. Um, so yeah, so I, I helped start a business and it was nothing but fun and love and enjoyment for me. I never felt, I never felt the risk, but in addition to all that enjoyment, I am blessed that it also had, you know, financial rewards. And when we talk about accumulating a million and investing in stocks or investing in equity uh, as, as one of the strategies, again, this is why I don't want to make it seem too simple 
because uh, for a lot of people, this is going to be a challenging thing to do. But it sounds simple. So one of the examples I just pulled up this morning uh, from my last book, I in, in a point to talk about starting early and investing, I give an example of a 21-year-old that puts $5,000 into a Roth IRA, and they do that for 10 years, so say from 21 to 31, and they make 8% every year. Now, in the real world, you will not make 8% every year. Life is not linear. Our examples we give are linear, but life is not. But an 8% average per year is certainly not unrealistic based on the history of the stock market. So that's not some pie-in-the-sky, impossible-to-achieve number. An 8% rate of return, while certainly not guaranteed, is a reasonable long-term expectation. And so that person, Peg, I I assumed in my example, uh, can only contribute to their Roth for 10 years because they're so financially successful and they make so much money that they, they make too much and they can't continue to contribute to Roth. So 5000 a year for 10 years, a total investment of $50,000, but they start young at age 21. At age 65, Peg, that's over a million dollars. There's our millionaire right there, and that's all they did is 5000 to a Roth for 10 years. So sometimes it does seem easy, but I know in the real world it's not. But that's an example of, of how it can happen. Yeah, and, and I truly believe in that. And I, I have talked often on the show and, and we'll get into investing in yourself because it, I feel like our education system and um, and it's somewhat the parents responsibility to teach their young people that there is this power of compounding. There is things that you can do when you're young because you have time. So Bruce, you've heard me say so many times on the show that when I look at young people, I look at them as having this halo saying rich in youth, rich in youth. Every single person that's young out there actually has um, a pretty good probability if they just started putting some of their pennies and dollars and and some of their paycheck away uh, early. They could be a millionaire a lot sooner um, than people who wait until they are in their 30s, 40s, or 50s. So, so investing in yourself. A big one is education and and you know training on your job and education around money. I think um, one of the things that was announced this week was the college uh, payback, like paying off some of the student debt. There's so many people out there that are getting this education, but I also believe we still have to, even though you're going for something like psychology or maybe social sciences or you want to be an astronaut, every one of us has to be responsible for learning about money and what money can do for you. So learning how to invest. Um, and if you if you can find a mentor, somebody that knows about money, you know, go pick their brain. And um, so it's, to me, it's, it's kind of like a secret sauce that isn't transferred to the youth to the degree that I wish it was, that they would understand the power of compounding and if you can start young. And if you can give up some instant gratification today uh, and, and maybe be a little bit more forward 
thinking and, and have a vision out there, you probably have a much higher probability of success than the person next to you if you just do those few things. Bruce? Yeah, and, and I totally agree with that. But I also, Peg, I've had people before tell me when they're you know considering engaging our services that I don't want some financial advisor to tell me I can't go on vacation or I can't eat out at nice restaurants because I have to save this money or put it in a Roth IRA or put it in a brokerage account or whatever. And I, I do agree with you that we do want, I, I think it is a good idea to not always have everything you want when you, when you want it. We, we, we tend to be a society that wants immediate gratification. But I also think it, it's not totally sacrificing today for tomorrow, because let's be honest, none of us is promised tomorrow. And I think you can live for today and, and take nice vacations and enjoy life, um, enjoy your family and, and, and do things and still save and invest for your future. I don't think it's an either-or decision. I think if you, if you plan, and that's what it always comes back to, planning, if you plan appropriately and, and, and you work your plan, you can do both. It's not an either-or. Yeah, and Bruce, that was kind of the um, the headline of watch your expenses, right? And I'm a big budget person. I believe that you should sit down and talk to talk to your uh, significant other, or if you're single, talk to yourself. You know, what are the concrete expenses that I have, and then how much could I actually save? And and once again, it doesn't have to be monumental to be an impact, you know, um, over the long term. So once again, rich in youth, even, even if you're 30 today, I'm not saying you have to be 18, you just have such a long period of time to be able to um, compound that money. So <clears throat> one of the things we are going to do is ask for listeners today, uh, because we'd love to hear, you know, what your approach to wealth accumulation was. Bruce and I certainly see all sorts of uh, stories and people confide in us of how they've created their wealth. But to get listeners involved, that would be um, so fun. So if you do have uh, a minute, it'd be nice if you could call our studio line at 651-461-9226. So Bruce, the next one is accumulating 100000 as quickly as you can. I, I think if I said that to somebody, they would totally shut down. Like, are you kidding me? What am I supposed to do? Fly to Las Vegas and spin the wheel and hope I get the right color? Um, but the old saying is it takes money to make money. And, and it's so true. I mean, first, you have to have some money to be able to start to create your, um, your million dollars. So I see this as more baby steps than uh, a speed race. And once again, I'll probably say this so many times on the show, is if you can't think of how to kind of kickstart it, then you just have to go seek for help. I would say the most successful people I know are not afraid to ask questions. Or if you see someone, and I had several people in my life that I looked at and said, I want to be that person, or I want to be that person, but I... I didn't hesitate going up to that person and saying, what would you do? Or would you be willing to share some of the information with me? I had zero people 
say absolutely not. So the first thing is, how do you accumulate 100000 You know, go find people that you feel like you can get information from because I don't feel like sitting down and just reading books is going to um, create that momentum or the steps that you actually have to take. Bruce? Peg, I think that is such a brilliant point. I give you so much credit for that. And again, I hadn't even really considered that. But I was thinking as you were talking, I think for you and I, um, and you correct me if, if, if I'm wrong or you disagree, um, a lot of the things that I think about doing in my own personal financial life are not necessarily because I'm a financial advisor, but I think it's the reverse. I think the reason I ended up becoming a financial advisor is because a lot of these things that are good habits to create wealth, I just did instinctively. No one taught me. I just sort of knew to do things, and I think that led me to a career as a financial advisor. So I think what, what, and that may or may not be true for you, but whether, whether we know these things because we're a financial advisor or whether we became a financial advisor because we know some things, I think I often take for granted that everybody knows these things that I know, and I encounter people every day that they don't know. Um, and she doesn't mind when I pick on her and throw her under the bus. My wife's a great example. She's always earned a good income, but when I met her, she had almost no savings, and I'm like, how come you don't save and invest any money? What about your future? How are you ever going to retire? And she's like, well, no one taught me to do that. I never thought, I just never thought about it. I didn't think that way. So that's very, very common that things that you and I are second nature are, are foreign concepts to a lot of people and get some help. Talk to somebody that knows how to do it. I love that. Yeah. And part of it too, Bruce, is like I wasn't born with, hey, I've got to be a saver or, I mean, I, one of my mistakes was when I was in college they offered me a credit card and my I've never I've never saw a credit card in my life. My parents never used them. And I thought, voila, this is great. And so I worked at a department store that said, here's a credit card. Well, on my break, I would go buy things and I would buy things for all sorts of people because everything was on clearance clearance that I found. And all of a sudden, my bill came and I went, oh, I can pay that $25. What I didn't realize is the more that I spent, the bigger the monthly payment was going to get. So sometimes you have to have life lessons where you do learn on your own and you make those mistakes and then you learn from them and you never do it again. So that's just instead of reading a book, once again, you might run into something where you went, wait a minute, I didn't know anything about that. And then that won't happen again. Another one is don't over diversify. So we talk a lot on this show about 401k or 403b choices, because I, I encourage people to participate in their company plan, because a lot of times that company is going to give you free money. They're going to match some percentage that you put in there. So that would be number one. Make sure that if someone's going to hand you free money, you absolutely grab it. Uh, but with the, with the 401k and 403b, um, and we, when we talk about don't over diversify, a lot of times because the companies have, have responsibility of what choices they give you in their company plan to participate in, uh, they tend to give choices that have lots of diversification, meaning 
you know, a lot of times it'll be called a lifestyle fund or, um, it, you know, related to the age that you might be retired. Um, we caution our clients uh, that maybe that's just too much diversification and we assist them in, in having more concentrated investments, um, you know, while they're contributing to the plan. So that's just an example, Bruce, of of concentrated investments versus, you know, having way too many uh, investments. Yep. And, and you know, it, it sounds funny to me when you say don't over, you know, diversify because we talk about it all the time. But I understand what you mean. Uh, I, I think we're already coming up. This goes so fast when we're having a good discussion, but I think we're already coming up to the end of the first segment. So let's finish our discussion on this, on, on how to become a millionaire and get listeners involved. Hopefully we got a story or two from somebody that's successfully done it. You don't have to identify yourself if you're worried about people knowing how much money you have, but we'll, uh, we'll continue the discussion as soon as you can get listeners involved. Very good. 651-461-9226. That is the number to call if you want to jump in. We already have have two callers on the line, three callers on the line. So we'll get to those calls and more of your text questions as well. Coming up after this, it is your money, 651-461-9226. Welcome back. It is your money reminding you if at any time you have a question, you can call 24 hours a day, seven days a week, one eight 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 six advice You can also email your questions to yourmoneyatwealthenhancement.com. And for the next little bit here, you can text us or call us right here and come on live and talk to Bruce or Peg, 651-461-9226. Once again, the founder of Wealth Enhancement Group, financial advisor Bruce Helmer, and senior vice president and financial advisor Peg Webb. Welcome back, both of you. Thanks, Susie. And, and hey, I wanted to tell you personally, uh, so much of the time we don't get to see each other face-to-face. It was good to spend some time with you and see you face-to-face on Friday night. We had a nice time, I think. And uh, Peg and I agreed off-air that there's a little bit more material we could go over, but if we have callers on hold, we don't want to make them hold. We'll probably end up covering anything we want to talk about, answering questions and chatting anyway. So let's get listeners involved. All right, let's go to Bill. He's waiting on our news line. Bill, go ahead. You're on the air with Bruce and Peg. Do you have a question? Yeah, well, not a question. I said I started a couple of businesses, and and uh, I'm a dropout, and I've got international awards, and I, I've made a lot of money for a lot of companies that infringed on my products. And... Uh, no, I, I'm still doing it at 86, and I called in once before too, and I said, if you're uh, if you're going to sell, people talking about selling a little bit of their property, I, I excuse me, <clears throat> I experienced that too because I rented some property from a guy and he sold uh, one portion of it, and I was paying like a thousand dollars rent for the rest of it, yeah. and after he sold it, they taxed him on the potential of the rest of it, oh. 2,500. But then on the businesses, yeah, I'm still in business and I'm still managing the business. And most of the, uh, excuse me, most of the things I invented are used right here on a farm. Oh, good. And I've built all my own buildings, about 14 buildings. And, okay. And I'm still there. Well, we appreciate your calling, Bill. and appreciate your sharing your good fortune and your longevity. Bruce, Peg, it's pretty cool that someone can be 86 and still operating uh, that involved in property and money. Bruce? Yeah, and I remember Bill calling in, actually, and um, you can tell 
And, 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 and Peg, this is really cool. I, I think a common denominator uh, uh, for a lot of people that achieve financial success, and I'd like to put you and I in this category as well, and I think you can hear it in Bill's voice, it, the, the, the motivation or the driving force is not even necessarily the wealth. The driving force is doing something you love to do and doing it well. In Bill's case, he was probably a very creative guy, and, and he talked about inventing things, and it was probably his joy and his passion. And if you do something really well, the financial rewards often follow. I think of, of athletes, of, of, of golfers, and, and, you know, Tiger Woods didn't necessarily set out to be rich. He set out to be the greatest golfer in the world, and when he achieved that, the financial rewards came. And, and you know, I think you and I would say we didn't set out to be rich. We set out to be really good financial advisors and help our clients, and if we do that well, we'll be rewarded financially. And it's, that's, that's how Bill sounds to me as somebody that just followed his passion yeah. and the financial rewards came with. 651-461-9226. Did you want to add something, Peg? Oh, I just want to applaud Bill because I just can hear in his voice the pro- the pride that he has and all the things that he's done. And I would just say, share that with others because I think Bill would be a great role model for people that are younger and, and want to be Bill one day. Yeah, exactly. All right, Terry is up next with a question for Bruce and Peg. Hello, you're on the air, Terry. Hey, you guys. I love your show. I've been listening to you since you started. <laughs> I, me- I remember I'd, I'd be down at this campground, on, uh, and, and I'd go down at the end of the dock with my portable radio. Oh, fun. <laughs> and I'd... And I'd and I'd listen to you guys as I'd throw the goddamn fishing line in. <laughs> well, that's good. You got a lot. But, but anyway. Oh, could you have a question for the for our for Bruce and Peg? Just a comment, if that's appropriate. Sure. Okay. So anyway, my wife and I um, started. With a oh, I don't know. I'm sure that I'm sure Bruce and Peg know of it, but it's a pioneer fund, and then it, it's a insurance company, and and you get something, you know, you get into the market a little bit, and we started at seventy five bucks a month. That's what we could afford, and um, that's what we did. And then I got a better job, and then some income started coming in from an outside source that I don't want to mention. But um and uh and I started throwing more and more money into the market and by God it's worked out pretty good. Oh, that's great. <laughs> well thank you so much for calling Terry. Appreciate your sharing. Bruce and and Peg, it is that when he talks about, you know, what Talk about that compounded interest peg in terms of just what you can even afford. I know you mentioned, you know, 5000 in an IRA. But if you can only do 15 20 30 whatever you can do to put money aside is helpful. Is that sort of a, a, a suggested idea? Yes. Everybody tries to define success in multiple ways. I define success in if you have the discipline to even start and so I applaud Terry for his $75 a month, which, you know, in the power of compounding over decades of time, 
you know, the, the question is, do you want to get a job where you have to work, you know, harder, faster, longer to try to, to um, compound, you know, your income? If you can do that, but there's people out there that do that. They compound their income and they have zero to show for it. Yes, they've had this wonderful life and they're spending and vacationing and buying new cars all the time. But the on the other side, you know, there's Terry who started investing and prob- maybe even had all those things. But um, but you have to start early. And what I mean by that is I don't want to say you have to be 20, 30 years old. Today, people are living to 95. So I tell the 50-year-olds that come and see me, you know, now's the time. You have the highest income you've ever had. So now don't say, oh, I missed out on something. No, this is the start of something really good, um, even if you're 50. Bruce? And Terry, like Bill, is someone that should share what he knows with as many people as he can because I think it's a a worthwhile lesson. And Terry, thanks for the kind words and Mm -hmm. listening to us when you're out fishing. That's that's awesome. And uh, and share your gifts with other people. Tell people how you did what you did because, again, things that you might take for granted as being obvious, a lot of people aren't doing those things and don't understand that they should be doing them. So share share your your uh, your knowledge. 651-461-9226. You can either call that number or you can text a question. A texter writes that my portfolio has dropped more than $100,000 on paper. I am retired. How worried should I be? I guess it all depends on how old you are, would you say? Or I don't know, what would be your response to that? Yeah, Peg? Yeah, I, I I don't necessarily take age into consideration when we're talking about this recent drop in the market. Hopefully that um, you had some sort of plan. But what I remind my clients of is if you just look at the last five years, so in my uh, financial reviews with my clients, I look at the past five years. And, and and if you were positioned, you know, well diversified, but you're positioned somewhat in growth, you were rewarded. The fact that you're dropped a hundred thousand dollars, you probably might be close to January or mid 2021's value. So what I try to convince my clients of is you know, I know you had that on paper and you were so excited when the market was at its all time high because it almost seemed like it was super easy to gain all that percentage in a very short period of time. But part of the risk of participating in something that grows is sometimes you have to give some back. And um, we're doing a lot of conversations, Bruce, about economic cycles in our reviews. Meaning, you know, businesses, yes, they ride on a high, but then there is a time when we have to go down to kind of reset everything. And this is not a new phenomenon. This is something that's happened in history over the last hundred years. But I don't know that everyone was prepared for it, that we have to go a little bit backwards before we can go forward again. And I really believe there is a forward. I just don't know exactly when. Bruce? Yeah, Peg, that was an outstanding answer. It really was. But uh, the only thing I would add is to the texter, clients, I think, do more often than not when they talk about their performance of their portfolio, 
whether it's here or somewhere else, they talk in dollars, dollars up or dollars down. I always tend to look at it by percentages uh, because I think that's that's more accurate. And to your point about um, whatever they're down this year, $100,000 or whatever percent that is, if they've been in the market the last five years, they're not suddenly in the red the last six months. They're They're just... They, they lost some from their high, but they're still above water over the last five years by a considerable margin. They're still in the black. But I did think of, what about someone that just invested <laughs> maybe in the market for the first time this, you know, last December or this January? They're thinking, oh, my God, what have I done? Even that person, and I, and I, and I gave the example before, if you would have invested in the stock market for the first time in October of 2007, right before the big crash of 2008, by March of 2009, you were down about 60%. But if you look at that today, and I haven't done this calculation recently, but when I, the last time I looked at it and did it, you would have still averaged over 6% per year starting at the worst possible time, right when the Dow went from 14,000 to 6,500. Well, to, to, today the Dow's, you know, 33, 34,000, 20,000 higher again. So you still did well. And if you're someone that just invested in January of this year, hopefully that's long-term money. If it wasn't, you probably shouldn't have been in the market in the first place. But if that's long-term money, mm. I agree with Peg. I'm highly confident that given time, you're going to be still glad that you that you made that investment. But, uh, yeah, that's sometimes the timing on these things. I also, Susie, I like what Peg said about, you know, you started to say age, which is not wrong. I know what you're thinking, but I think Peg and I would say we think more uh, in time horizon, not how old is the investor, but what is the time frame to when they're going to want to spend or use that money. Mm. And you're right, that tends to be older, close to retirement, might be closer to the day you're going to use that money. But even a young person might have a short time horizon if they're saving money for the purchase of a home or to remodel their home or, or whatever. So you, you, we look at time horizon, uh, but age can be a part of that. Uh, but yeah, Peg, Peg's answer was spot on. Okay, very good. 651-461-9226. We'll go to Paul next with a question for Bruce and Peg. Go ahead, Paul. You are on the air with your question. Thanks a lot. I love your show. I have three points that anybody at any income level can do to accumulate wealth, and I've had some of the success that you've described. First of all, uh, do small things to save money over many years. An example, where I worked for over 35 years, I could pay 50 to $100 a month to park, or I could walk a little further and pay nothing. I did that. I, I walked for 35 years and saved all that money. In addition, we live in the country. We have trees around us. We use our house as a heat exchanger, open the windows at night. It cools down, close the house during the day. It doesn't get too warm. We've had no air conditioning for 35 years. Those two actions allowed me to fund my two daughters' weddings. When they came to me and asked me what the budget was, I said there was no budget because I did those things. And their large weddings were fully funded by those savings. Another example, yep. we drink a lot of milk. 
we buy milk in uh, plastic bags at Quick Trip, and we save over $1,000 a year doing that. Well, thank you for the call, Paul. That's awesome. Bruce and Peg, before we run out of time, do you want to address that? Uh, it, just the sharing of cost-saving measures throughout a person's life can really pay off, right? Bruce? Um, absolutely. I, I, uh, Paul, I applaud you. And, and, and uh, Paul's point, little things that may, may not seem like much, again, consistently over a long period of time, add up to a big number. It's not unlike you know, a lot of the things Peg and I were talking about in the first half of the show. Or as a financial advisor, sometimes our job is to find investable dollars. Someone might say, I know I should save or invest, but I'm living paycheck to paycheck. Well, Paul figured out ways of finding dollars to save by, by saving money in, in logical places that were logical for him. Sometimes it might be you know, other things that we can find as a financial advisor. Maybe you're paying more than you need to in taxes. We could make some adjustments, save you some taxes. Now you not only aren't giving those dollars to the IRS, but you've got them, and now they're investable dollars that you can apply earnings or a rate of return to. Or maybe you're paying too much for insurance. Your insurance isn't efficient. So part of what we can do is come in and reduce your spending by making some logical changes, which is exactly what Paul's talking about. And now you've recaptured dollars for investing. Peg, do you want to add to that? Well, I think today it's just so easy, Bruce and Susie, to take on debt or, you know, you don't have those actual physical bills anymore that, you know, you just go and use your credit card and use your credit card and, and take money out of the bank. Well, um, you know, long ago, my husband and I actually, to, to be super disciplined, we would put the discretionary money actually in an envelope. And when those dollars were gone out of that envelope, we had no other discretionary money. Mm-hmm. So we had to truly make decisions based on what do we want to use the money in this envelope for? It just makes you think a little bit uh, better. And then the other thing is, is you can open separate bank accounts still today. And that's something that I did to say, this is for Christmas. This is for a vacation. And I love to segregate my money because it created even more discipline. Six five one four six one nine two two six. We've got about five minutes left on the big show. Randy is waiting to talk with us about a question or a comment. Go ahead, Randy. You were on the air with Bruce and Peg. What is your question? Hey, Bruce and Peg, how you doing? I enjoy your show. I'll be brief. I was just processing the information that you're bringing up. You think about the book Millionaire Next Door. Okay, I'm kind of a freak of nature. Years ago. Uh, I bought an IRA investment IRA before I bought a house, okay? And to be fair, uh, it's worked out extraordinarily well, um, multi-million dollar portfolio. Um, it's just simple things, doing the right things, don't make mistakes, saving. The principles that you apply, I agree with, okay? Yeah. Um, it, just don't get over your skis, okay? Am I hurting from this last meltdown from the January of, or November of 21? Absolutely. But, you know, I've got good companies, good portfolio, and I'll ride the storm up, and hopefully things will come back together again. So it's kind of macro, micro, and a fiscal and a monetary policy that you guys kind of touch upon, but you tend to stay away from the, the, the fiscal part. You deal with the monetary because I know the fiscal is political. You know what I mean? So yeah. Yeah. all those things play in, you know. So I enjoy your show, people, but it can be done. If a guy like me with a high forehead and all, 
can accumulate wealth <laughs> with sacrifices. You have to make yeah. sacrifices. Well, thank you so much. We really yeah. appreciate your sharing. A lot of good shares this morning, right, Bruce and Gail? I love that. Yeah, a lot of people offering insights into how they did it. And I do think, don't we learn by sharing information, both of you, Bruce? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Randy, for, again, listening and, and, and contributing to the show. And, you know, I, I think we've, if my, call, if my count is correct, we've had four calls today, and there's a lot of common ground between what they're saying, and it's consistent with what Peg and I said in the first half of the show. You, you have a plan. You, you, you know, Peg had a list of, the, of six things, one of which was uh, um, not, not overspending or not spending more than you earn. And, and I, I, Peg, I think, you know, all four of these guys reflected on one or more than one of the things that you talked about in the first half of the show. Yeah, and I think, you know, it, it maybe it seems kind of simple when we talk about it now, but then lots of times you incorporate another person. So let's take Randy and Paul and, and these people. What, what if there's a significant other that is completely opposite of you, right? That just brings in another kind of complexity. Well, Wealth Enhancement Group, as we um, sit with couples, we're really this common ground and finding, you know, and putting those two kind of different personalities together to still create success. So I wanted to bring that up because sometimes it's not as easy. If you're all by yourself and you get to make all your own decisions, great. But in a lot of cases, you're joining, you know, um, thoughts and, and wishes and wants for the future. And Bruce, I thought maybe too, I know we're getting running out of time, but just the reason you started the radio show for education. Oh yeah. And, 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 you know, it, it just hit me now and, and I'm, I'm watching the clock, Susie, I promise. Um, you know, we're talking about accumulating a million dollars, but again, let's go back to what makes all of us tick. You know, when we work with our clients, Peg, the first thing we ask them is about their core values or what's important to them. And money doesn't buy happiness, but um, I will say this from someone who grew up poor, having some money is better than not having money, and it doesn't buy happiness, but it certainly can contribute to a more rewarding, more enjoyable uh, lifestyle. But, um, but, to, but to, you know, to, to make sacrifices or do things and you're miserable, it's not worth it either. You know, so that's why I said you can, you can have fun along the way and still save and invest for your future and have balance and have a plan. And, Susie, I know we're almost out of time. Ah, that music is the key there. <laughs> Again, if you didn't get your question answered, yourmoneyatwealthenhancement.com or 888-6-ADVICE.